No music, we're getting straight into this. Um, I... <laughs> Hello, I'm Kevin. I'm the host of Radio Redux. Hello. There's not supposed to be a Radio Redux this week. It's supposed to be uh, a week off. Uh, it's my week off, generally. And I was hoping, among hope, just to take it, you know, relatively easy. It was going to be a nice episode of LMC Cast. And next week could be LMC Cast uh, as well. And then I'm going to come back and do a Radio Redux for Halloween. That was it. That was the plan. Uh, guess we're not doing that. We ain't doing that at all because uh, we're getting straight into this thing. That uh, I'm so I'm recording this Thursday, by the way. Uh, the story that's come out is to do with our good friends at Sega uh, being fucking stupid. But what's new? Well, here's the thing. So um, the 60th anniversary, go Sega! celebrations have really properly kicked in now uh and they're doing this and that and some of it's very good and some of it's very, like like oh yes we've we've rebranded all the games on steam so it looks like they're from you know the era when we were relevant in the console stakes um even though some of those games that are ports from the mega drive and from the saturn and from the dreamcast um those won't be in that particular livery at all they'll just be in a random thing from you know master system to game gear or something else um because hey we want to appear oh look look retro look we're celebrating our heritage yes you're celebrating your heritage in the same way as somebody who clearly doesn't know anything about the franchises that you're actually doing this to so that's that you know the, the where's wally type thing was fun and it looks like they're going to do some crazy stuff over the course of the next however long. Um, but we'll, we'll see what happens, basically. Some of it will hit, some of it will miss. This has missed massively, what's happened now. So, one of the things that they've done is they've re, they get a, they're re-releasing. They're re-releasing, like, soon, it seems, if not already. Um... A Golden Axe reboot um, that never was. Uh, it was it was axed. It didn't make it past the initial stage of development uh, because of this because of because of multiple reasons. Multiple reasons. It wasn't. They didn't go with it. So they've taken that and they've shoved it up on Steam as a Golden Axed, um, and. <laughs> Yeah, this is all well and good, um, but uh, they kind of ignored, like, the story, the reasons why it was axed, and, you know, they're, they're presenting it as something other than it actually was. Um, uh, it turns out they've been called on this. So, uh, Tim Dawson, who was one of the developers who worked on this, did a very long Twitter thread, which I'm going to read now. And please note, obviously, I'm, I sound very bunged up, but that's because I am. I'm completely full of cold and flu. Another reason why I didn't want to do a bloody radio show this, this week, but damn it, I'm doing it, because this is just indicative of this company. To a, And I'm so just frustrated and annoyed with them that they've done this because they could have done it in a myriad of other ways which screamed actually caring about the things and instead they've done this and it is so 
prototypically Sega that... Ah, right. So, this is from uh, Tim Dawson, whose uh, Twitter account is at Ironic Account. Ironically. Uh, woke up to the surprise news that Sega was released in the Golden Axe prototype I coded in 2012 under crunch conditions. At least I'm not alone. This appears to be a surprise to everyone I know who actually worked on it. Uh, this project was my personal nexus of nightmare hours, inept management, industry realisations and heroics achieved with a small team under unreasonable conditions. So it's an odd feeling to see it surface eight years later without context, credits and with a joke title sequence. It exists because um, Santana, Mishra and I had delivered the Castle of Illusion prototype that was maintaining the studio. You might well remember that. Uh, a producer we, are, we trusted asked us if we could pitch... Oh, sorry, if we could make a polished gameplay prototype for an internal Goldnax pitch in about two weeks to land a second project. We agreed because we were assured Magic wanted to develop it our way, i.e. another miracle, please, but did mandate a darker, bloodier Goldnax with splatter and decapitation and the two-button concept. Sorry, two-button two two combat. Ugh, so bugged up. So we tried to combine all that with the spirit of the original game. This would have been a difficult line to walk at any time, but we had two weeks and no time to iterate. So we made do. We really attacked the design knowing we wouldn't be able to uh, course correct much, but luckily we had a talented team of artists, animators and sound designers. Much less luckily, we also had the lead designer who thought he was designing it, and sometimes Santana Mishra would have to physically block him from reaching my workstation, or we'd start explaining insights he'd received playing the mobile port on the train on the way to work. He took, he took to inventing arbitrary challenges like imagine wants to see an attack animation playing in game by the end of the day or they'll think the project is in trouble while I was busy coding enemy AI and the soft rock combo system simultaneously. A week or so in, the lead campaign for branching the prototype and making a Streets of Rage pitch concurrently because to him they were the same game. It took me sending a 2am email to the studio head and a let's go for a coffee and chat the next morning to get that stopped. But the biggest gut punch came a week and a half in. Combat was working. It was all on track. I was called for a meeting in the big room, so I put the latest build on the network and went, went to see what was up. All the management was sitting around the big table. I showed the game. Grave faces. There was a pause. Where's the wow factor? Someone asked. The lead designer once again complained it wasn't a God of War-like 3D brawler like he wanted. Someone said maybe it had been better to... Made a pre-rendered video where the barbarian fought a monster. I experienced a moment of clarity. Either they couldn't see what was in front of them, or wanted me to feel bad because it was the only way they knew how to manage. I was the guy who made playable prototypes. I had over-delivered, and if they didn't want that, they had screwed up. I'd been working 14-hour days, but I went home on time that day. I lay on my bed, staring at the ceiling. They didn't want it. They wanted something else entirely. I came to my conclusion. They didn't matter. I would continue doing exactly what I intended to do and try to deliver what Satana Mishra and I had planned in the beginning. So I did. Effects and polish were added. More sound implemented. Combat timing sped up and input windows widened to make combos executive friendly. The finished build was revealed and the same management team that uh, negged me earlier lined up to tell me how good it was now. I felt dead inside. 
not just because of a couple of long seven-day work weeks that's, uh, and start of RSI in my right arm that would go to jeopardise development of uh, and Assault Android Cactus, which was an indie shoot-em-up that uh, they did, but because I had no trust left in the people who ran things. From the Steam page, and this was a quote, it's been taken down now, but this was a quote. Golden Axed may be janky, may be buggy, may be an artifact of its time, but it offers a unique glimpse into the prospect of a project that could have been. Tim Dawson then, then ends the initial thread with, with Go Fuck Yourself Parasites. So, um, yeah. This is the situation. Sega have, unsurprisingly, when they've been asked about this, backpedal spectacularly. Um, they issued um, Video Games Chronicle and various other places reached out to them, and the, this is the statement that they gave. Okay, Sega Europe reached out to four members of the Golden Axe Reborn Dev Team to produce this prototype of the game th- for Steam as part of our 60th anniversary celebrations. We wanted to bring the work of the developers at the time to light and celebrate it as part of our history. Something we didn't get a chance to do first time around. We certainly didn't mean to dredge up painful memories for Mr. Dawson and his former colleagues or appear disrespectful. We've removed a line from the Steam copy that could have been taken as a slur on the development. <laughs> it was! And would have, I'm sorry, I would like to reassure everybody that it was intended as a comment on the build we had ported to PC, not the quality of the original work. We're hoping lots of fans play the prototype and can appreciate the work he and his colleagues put into developing this prototype. Okay, so... This is fine, right? Everything should be fine. Except, Mr. Dawson sort of goes, it's funny they say they've reached out to us because, you know, they haven't. So who have they reached out to on this? Who? From... (laughs) From the original team in in Australia, did they reach out to to, to to get this supposedly made and get this supposedly fixed and get the permissions and everything? It makes no sense. It makes no sense. Uh, it just, like I say, very indicative. So let, let's 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 put this all on the table, okay? So treating people like shit, which they clearly did here is very much part of Sega's makeup. And that's no matter where you are in the chain. Sega have a history of treating producers like shit. They've had a history of treating QA people like shit. They have a history of looking at people as disposable assets assets, and treating them as such. So it's oddly appropriate, you know, that this has come out. It's oddly appropriate. You want to look back at the history of the company? That's cool. All right, um, it's it's amazing. Sega's an amazing place in terms of the amount of memorable experience the, the company has been responsible for. Be that when you know we were kids and when there's and kids now. Okay, so unfortunately, for all of you people who think it's all sunshine and rainbows and they can't do anything wrong that history also includes lots lots of experiences like this from developers from people in the system from people who are trying to do their best but people who love 
the company for people who love the fact that they grew up with the company that history has a lot of that and no amount of balloons and cake frosting covers that fact up Sega are not innocent of the worst of crunch culture and judging by you know what <laughs> judging by that line as to how they described it you know this this, this project this project never made it oh this is a joke you know their blase attitude to the people it affects is still very much in effect apparently it's Sega's tactlessness at its worst so and even outside them treating people and their work as a punchline and you know ooh, Sega all jolly and everything and ooh, social media and who gives a fuck at this point you'll note in the initial aspect of that thread okay they didn't credit the people who made it initially or you know care about the people that did okay they're backpedaling now and they're doing all this other stuff now because they've gone oh whoops online and this was you know this is telling a similar response was actually elicited I'm sad to say from Streets of Camarocho which is a lovely little mini game looking like this fantastic little mix up of Streets of Rage and Yakuza but it's been up to others to point out that the game was developed by Empty Clip and wasn't just something Sega just magically cooked up on its own. They didn't wave their hands and it appeared. It's not developed by the Yakuza studio. It's developed by Empty Clip Studio. And it was up to people on Twitter to go, hey, you know, actually, those guys are the guys who are responsible for it. So maybe, you know show them a bit of respect and some love as opposed to just going Woo, Sega go Sega hopefully and I'm really hoping for this alright hopefully the Sega fan community which is usually very good at this because the Sega fan community has always been deeply respectful of the people at any level within the game development process for the effort that they have put into it. At least, in my opinion, that's what I've found. I'm hoping that the Sega fan community will be able to shine a light on those studios and those people that are involved in these projects in the future and not have it all disappear under the banner of Go Sega for the purposes of marketing. Personally... I'd be very interested to know of the thought processes involved by those studios and those developers in the creation of these games. The challenges of marrying up various franchises stylistically and possibly from an ideological point of view. How do you keep the essence of each of those things true? How do you keep the essence of Streets of Rage and the essence of Yakuza both true? if you're going to make something like Streets of Camarocho. And, B, 
because we know developers do this, what are the little details? What are the things they've snuck in there out of love for the series that they've been involved in? Now, Sega West will probably go to Sega Sammy at the end of all this and go, hey, look at this! And they'll show them some fantastic download figures and, or, you know, or, per, or quote, quote, purchase figures for the things that are free. And they'll go, hey, look, you know, this is about people that are playing this now. Yes, and they're playing it for free. For the people that say that, the people that are saying, hey, then they'll use it to go, hey, look at this, and they might get some more stuff made. Yes, but they've been doing that for the past 15 fucking plus years, and it hasn't done a goddamn thing. So I wouldn't hold my breath for anything relating to that. Sega Sammy, all Sega Sammy have to do is go to the profit and loss sheet, look at their marketing sales for anything that they've done for any of those games, and go, well, actually, that's made buckkiss in its entire lifetime. Guess what? If you're selling that game for free, you're not making any money on that either. Have you made it more visible? Yes. Have you made it more available? Yes. But we're in a state now where the crown jewels of Sega, outside of a sale, are practically worthless. We live in a place in time where you can buy the original, you know, Mario Brothers on the NES for like 15.99, you can buy the original Sonic for like 99p. Oh no, I didn't spend my 79p or whatever the frick it was to get nights previously and now it's free. If they weren't interested, people weren't interested in getting nights and fuck me they should be because bloody hell nights is amazing. If they weren't interested in getting nights for 79p, what difference does it make if people are then happy to get it for free? Zero. Net nothing. So how could this have been done better? How could they have actually use this prototype in the same in a sane sensible way got permissions they could have still released it well doesn't take a lot of thought frankly you have 12 months in a year what's to stop you over the course of this period and you can time it in with releases that you've got coming up and you can tie in with anniversaries that are coming up everyone was celebrating the launch of the dreamcast the anniversary for that there's nothing stopping you doing a whole host of things but instead of making a mockery out of one of your ips because that's all they've managed to do all they managed to do is damage the ip Which part of this pub what part of this publicity Sega is good for you at present? Not a hell of a lot, I'm guessing. All they had to do is go, hey, 
once a month, we'll focus on one of our IPs, one of our historical IPs. And they could have also done at the same time, you know, focused on some of the history of uh, the hardware platforms. They could have done one of those every couple of months, maybe. Going to some of the early stuff, going to some of the like the pinball machines, the arcade division, the, the amusement division, doing the hist- little little history pieces, and you could do that. You could do history pieces on these very important IP people, things that people have grown up with, that are super fond of, that even playing them even now. And you could go into those. It doesn't need to be Sonic. Sonic's its own bloody thing. Sonic will do its 30th anniversary. Hey, did you know there's a 30th anniversary? Of course it's a fucking 30th anniversary, you fucking stupid idiots. There's a... F- you could just do that. For Golden Axe. For Puyo Puyo. For Space Channel 5. For Shining Force. For Yakuza. All of those you could go into. Do an in- do an interview. You know, do a print thing. You can team up with fan sites. You can team up with with you know specialist sites, and you can just do these historical pieces that put across the love that people have for the brands and the love that Sega has for the brands and why the brand is important to Sega. What, how difficult would that be? You, you take it all in house, it's all properly produced, you put out a big thing, and then you can generate interest from it that way. And then you can go into, as part of that, you know, the games that never made it. All franchises have games that never made it. Streets of Rage, how many bloody Streets of Rage 4 versions were in development? Before we finally got Streets of Rage 4 now. I'll give you a, There was at least three of them, to my knowledge, in the bloody three or four years that I was at Sega. And, you know, the couple of years before. There's <laughs> at least like three versions of Streets of Rage 4 that never made it. At least as far as I'm aware. There are so many things that don't make it. So many that do make it on the cut do get left on the cutting room floor. And if you do want to take, make use of them, then you can by doing that. And you can so say, hey, you know, there are games, you know, there's versions that didn't make it for one reason or another. And you know, here's some of the concept art from that. And look how, look how fantastic it is. And you can speak to the designers and what they were going to try and do. Um, take and get them involved. And you can say the influences. And if stuff from those games then made their way into future iterations, you can say that. And you can do stuff about things that are important, like like um, Sakuria Wars and other franchises that don't necessarily get the light of day but potentially could all those ones that are sitting on the shelf that you know we've that started to get the ball rolling started to get those um, remakes or sequels by other studios you can say you can use it, those to pr- promote those and then you can release those in-development games. You can still do that. But then you're doing it because you love 
the brand and you want people to see more of the history of it and why it's so amazing as opposed to it being a fucking punchline. It would be so easy for them to do that. To choose to do that. To take a high road. But of course not. Of course not. Why build up? Why put in effort to set a new foundation for things that you can build on when you can get a few hours worth of buzz? For a company that is in the marketing process of saying how much love there is for the brand and for the things that make it and the people that make it, they haven't got a goddamn motherfucking clue. But then again, what's new? On iTunes, Spotify, and Radio Sega, you're listening to Radio Redux.
tracks for you there first of all from parasite eve out of phase and then after that we had from star wars squadrons far more recent game taking no prisoners wonder why the hell i chose those two tracks who the hell knows that's it we're not really gonna have anything more than music for the rest of the show because i think you know 25 minutes of me just going full bore is more than enough for one episode of Randy Redux. Um, so up next, we've got a couple more tracks. Um, I've, again, no idea why I've picked these particular ones. Uh, but we've got Ode to Greed from Payday 2. Uh, a game from getting very much back into. But I'm looking, uh, looking forward to every time I boot up Payday 2 at the minute. It's it's great. And it's a nice counterpoint to the Dead by Daylight I'm playing. So we've got that um, with its <laughs> Simon Vickland and his uh, strange operatic section that he has in the middle of this. Uh, it's not the techno, it's not the instrumental techno one. It's the one with the, the actual operatic stuff in it. Uh, and then after that, 
I th- we had one last time. I think last time Radio Ricks was around, we actually had uh, a track from John Wick Hex. Or did that make the? Or did that get left on the cutting room floor for time purposes? I don't know. But Austrian Winter's John Hex soundtrack. Um, we've got the Uncaged Bear. Those are your next two tracks, and I'll tell you what the ones that are coming up uh, after that are. After that, if you see what I mean.
The Uncaged Bear from John Wick Hex. Coming up next, we got ourselves uh, a couple of very different tracks from very different games indeed, and ones that you know, don't get really played often, um, on or even considered for video game related shows. Uh, we have one from the Jackbox series of games, and we have one from a, a long-established Bandai Namco fighting series. First up, we've got from Jackbox Party Pack 4, the theme song from Bracketeering, which is a lot better than the actual game, to be honest. Bracketeering is kind of crappy. Um, but the uh, track here is is good. It's really good. Uh, and next, after that, we've got from Hiroki Kikuta? I think that is. Hiroki Kikuta. From the Soul Calibur 5 soundtrack. It's the track... Where springs not fail. And totally, it's very different to the rest of the album. Enjoy. For 15 years, bringing you the best in video game music, this is Radio Redux.
It's almost time for Sega Mixer Drive, if you're listening to this as it uh, premieres on Radio Sega. So if you are listening, do stick around to uh, find out what's happening with Rexy this particular week. Up next, though, we've got our final two tracks for the day. First up, we've, we've, we've got a little bit of culture, ladies and gents. We're going to uh, Japan to listen to the Tokyo Philharmonic as they perform Final Fantasy VI, The Dream Oath, Maria and Draco. Um, or at least part of it. Uh, the actual piece itself is something like 23 minutes long. So, unsurprisingly, unless I really wanted to anger the uh, aforementioned Re- Rexy, um, we're not going to be playing that. What we're going to be playing is like the first you know, five minutes from that. Um, but uh, it's part of the uh, Orchestral Game Concert 4 album that they did uh, from 1994, as it happens. Um, and what we have to follow that is from the Street Fighter 2 Capcom Generations remixes from the um, collection that they did. Uh, the remixed version of Zangief's theme, um, who is not bad guy. Those are your two coming up. I will see you in what will now be three weeks' time, unless another video game company does something fucking stupid. I'm kind of hoping Go Fuck Yourself Parasites becomes a meme. Because, hey, they want them so badly. I'll be back in a few weeks' time. (laughs) Okay. Unless anyone does anything stupid. In which case, I'll get off my sickbed again, as necessary. Here's Final Fantasy VI. See you soon.